0: last time on Licensed to Parent.
1: The Bible says that there are truths written on our hearts, and I maintain that that is the Bible's definition of common sense. However, that has to be awakened in a child, and the only way it can be awakened uh, is through proper instruction in biblical truth.
0: That's John Roseman. Last week, we began a conversation on common sense and why it's becoming less common in culture. Today, we continue that conversation. This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered therapeutic residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is Trace Embry, the founder of Shepherds Hill, and I'm Rich Rozell. Thanks for listening today. Well, as we just mentioned, we are continuing a conversation that began uh, last week with John Roseman. John is a syndicated newspaper columnist, a public speaker, and an author of, I believe, about 15 books on the subject of parenting. He's a strong advocate for uh, doing things the way that works. And we would say that would mean going back to biblical principles and also remembering the title of one of his books, Grandma, was right all along. Uh, John's the former host of the radio program Because I Said So on American Family Radio. He is a repeat offender here on the program. And uh, uh, as as mentioned last time, Trace and I are in separate studios. John is so far removed from civilization. He's talking to us today from an Airstream camper located somewhere off the grid. We're jealous. John, it's great to have <laughs> you back.
2: <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's good. it's great to be back. And so great to have you. Listen, uh, we've been talking about common sense how how important common sense is in in uh in raising our kids but you know many christian parents in other nations around the world have had to you know raise their kids in godless societies with no biblical standard for morality or common sense for the last 2000 years it's only been in recent times here in america anyway where we haven't had the luxury of a, of our entire society backing up our parenting principles and standards so could could we be putting too much importance on the subject of common sense with respect to raising our kids?
1: Well, no, not at all. I mean, common sense is contained in Scripture, and uh, mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, and and I'll remind our listeners that, uh, if they didn't listen last week, that I am licensed as a psychologist. I, I don't believe in, in my own profession. It's not a science. It's a worldview. It's an... Atheistic secular worldview, and uh, I maintain that uh, that good research in the social what are what are called the social sciences, uh, common sense and scripture line uh, are very aligned. And common sense in the raising of children boils down to about five fundamental scripture, beginning with Deuteronomy six, six and seven. Uh, which basically translates to the modern ear as saying that a parent's primary responsibility in the raising of a child is to instill a biblical worldview, to instill love of God and love of neighbor into the child. That's our primary responsibility. Uh, common sense is found in such scripture as, and I don't remember the exact uh, notation, but Um, where in Scripture it says that uh, children should be loved and uh, disciplined as well as they are loved. And this is one of the things that became lost in the psychological parenting revolution that took place in America in the late 60s and early 70s. We began to believe as a nation of parents that Uh, The Beatles were correct that all you need is love. And so what we have today are children who are raised by parents who don't understand that the proper presentation and delivery of authority in a child's upbringing is every bit as important as the proper delivery of love. And that, in fact, discipline, proper discipline, is a means of authentically loving a child. And uh, when you don't provide adequate authority to a child, uh, love turns into enabling. And enabling is always weakening of the person who is being enabled. And this is why we have such a huge child mental health problem in America today, one that did not exist before we began listening to people like me when it came to the raising of children. Mm.
2: Well, it goes back to the intro of last week's program about the proper definition of terms. If we don't properly define love, uh, then we'll lose the fact that, uh, you know, under the umbrella of love, discipline is is, is right in there. And I've used a, a, a car battery as being analogous to love. you got a positive and a negative. On the positive side is that warm, cushy, touchy-feely, you know, feelings type of love. But there's a negative side to the love battery, which is the tough love, uh, as Dr. Dobson would talk about. You have to have them both operating at the proper time and context uh, in order to get the full charge out of that, that love battery. For love to really uh, give the result, uh, start the car, so to speak, uh, start your child in, in a, an emotionally healthy direction. With, without them both being working in tandem, you're, you're really not exercising the the true definition of love, are you?
1: Not at all. Uh today's parent is trying to avoid imposing consequences on children. We embraced the idea in the late 60s early 70s and I was there when this idea came out of the chute and took America by storm. Uh we embraced the idea that children could be reasoned with. And so yeah. today instead of a consequence-based discipline we have what I call yada-yada discipline. A uh, child misbehaves, and instead of experiencing consequences that are meaningful, that mm-hmm. uh, cause the child to experience uh, guilt, remorse, uh, and uh, consequences that therefore prompt atonement, we have parents who sit down with children as young as two or three and talk to the child, Uh, about uh, alternative ways uh, of dealing with the same situation in the future. And then they ask, after this long diatribe, do you understand? And the child, of course, uh, nods his head that he understands (laughs) because he wants this long diatribe to be over with because he didn't understand a word that was being said. And uh, two weeks later, a week later, three days later, the same conversation is being held, and this is why I call it yada yada discipline a mm-hmm. uh, a discipline that gets nowhere and is just uh, ridiculously repetitive.
2: yeah well, science has affirmed that a person's frontal lobe in the brain, which is where that executive functioning is, uh, isn't fully developed until twenty five years old. How in the world is a kid at two or three or four you know going to understand? Uh, the reasons behind why they're doing what they do—they'll they'll understand way more than you think at two and three years old. But the fundamental reasoning behind it all, they may not catch on to. Uh, but there's a movement that basically says that punishment should not be part of discipline because punishment looks back, and and true discipline looks just forward. It's positive. Uh, punishment is negative and looks behind us. Well, if if I buy into that premise that looking backwards is a bad thing, then why, why am I teaching my kid anything about history? We learn from looking backwards, right? And kids do have that part of their brain that'll work. Even a dog has that part of the brain. Learn so, from
0: past mistakes.
2: Exactly. And that's how kids learn. But that has totally gone out the window because pop psychology now says, the mantra in pop psychology is, how does that make you feel? As if feelings are the final arbiters of truth. Mm. That's insanity.
1: Well that's all part of what we talked about last week is moral relativism that the uh, morality is not something that is uh, absolute unchanging from generation to generation that the final reference point for all things moral is the individual and how he feels about something it's what it's expressed uh, very succinctly by Oprah yeah Dr. the Oprah. reigning queen of postmodern relativism when she talks about an individual's truth, your truth, she refers to, Mm -hmm. as if truth is totally an individualistic, uh, autonomous thing. When, in fact, truth is part of God's original design for us, and um, just like you cannot change the the atom into something other than an atom. You cannot change God's truth into something other than truth.
2: Right. But the, here's, here's one of the problems that we run into a lot. They have to buy into, and parents have to buy into the premise. The first premise is that God is, and then that the Bible really is his authoritative word. So what do you do for the parent who is a non-believing parent. Where does their moral standard and first premise come from for wisdom and common sense? Because we have a lot of secular people that listen to this broadcast too.
1: Well, it comes from psychology, unfortunately, which is my profession, which I know from the inside out. And I can assure our listeners, uh, secular and otherwise, that psychology is one of Satan's devices. And um, the... uh, uh, you know, the the message that I was getting in graduate school, hearkening back to conversation we had last week and part of our conversation this week, is that a child's feelings represented some truth concerning his upbringing mm-hmm. and that a child's misbehavior was nothing more than an expression of the child's angst over how he was being raised. And you had uh, a best-selling author of parenting books in the late 60s, early 70s, actually telling parents in print that a child's feelings were the gauge of whether the (laughs) child was being raised properly or improperly. And so today's parents, a child throws a tantrum, and instead of understanding that their job is to stop the tantrum, and to stop the child from throwing tantrums, uh, you have parents today who are asking themselves in the face of this emotional hurricane, why is this happening? And who are trying to correct the theoretical reason behind the child's tantrum, instead of trying to correct the tantrum itself. And so today, we have children eight, nine, ten years old and even older who are throwing full-blown toddler tantrums uh, and continuing to do so in their lives.
2: Yeah. You see it in American cities every night in the news.
1: As a result of this, we have, we have children who are throwing tantrums uh, perpetually, well into their teenage and even adult years. You were mentioning before executive authority and how— The brain doesn't support executive authority until age 25, and I think today that is an optimistic figure. (laughs) And
0: we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. We have to take a break, but our guest today on License to Parent is John Roseman, author of numerous parenting books, including Parenting by the Book, which you can find on his website, rosemond.com. That's R O S E M O N D. And by the way, we've uh, referenced our previous program, last week's program, a few times here. If you missed that, let me encourage you to go to our website. You can hear that and all past conversations that we've had here on License to Parent by going to LicenseToParent.org, org. We'll be back with more conversation with our guest, John Roseman, and our host,
3: Trace Embry, when License to Parent continues. in today's digital age there's more access than ever to digital devices with technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteam.org, click on resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of eBooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by TroubledTeen.org. Is your teen's behavior dangerous? Your child's behavior
0: may seem incredibly volatile during the teenage years. Sometimes the signs and symptoms come and go quickly as your child is growing, but other times behaviors are developed and nurtured that will lead to unhealthy choices. Here are a few items to consider. Does your teen refuse to abide by anything you say or request? Is your teen displaying behavior that's a marked change from what has been normal? Has your teen become increasingly disrespectful, dishonest, and disobedient, and openly rebellious? Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and take the quiz, Is My Teen Troubled? While some behavioral issues are minor and best resolved at home, there are warning signs that your teen may need a more structured approach to get them on a healthy, constructive path. And Shepherds Hill Academy is here to help. Visit teen.org and click on Is My Teen Troubled? Teen.org. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis and by extension for their families as well. And uh, we're talking today with John Roseman, an author of numerous parenting books, including one that we've loved
2: for years called Parenting by the Book. And, uh, Trace, I'll turn it back to you. Yeah, John, there used to be something known as knowing your station and your place in life. Uh, Jesus kind of alluded to this. Uh, You were talking about, you know, the Bible says uh, things implicitly, uh, sometimes that uh, aren't always explicitly talked about. But Jesus alluded to this by uh, when he mentioned not taking the best seat at a banquet. Uh, what's wrong with kids knowing their station and place? And why do so many parents tend to exalt their young children by giving them a station and place that has traditionally been reserved for adults?
1: Well, because it's not a very egalitarian idea that one should learn what his proper station and place in life is. Um, um, last week, you uh, in your opening monologue, you mentioned... Uh, how america 's public schools have corrupted children, and one way that they have done so is lending to children the impression that they can do anything in life that they want to do, which is very, very, very deceptive. You cannot do anything that you want to do i don 't care how hard you try i don 't care how hard i tried i would I, I am incapable from the day of my conception from being an NFL linebacker. I am incapable of being the king of England. There are things that I cannot do and I'm not suited to doing no matter how much effort I put into it. Uh, The idea that you can do anything that you want to do in life with enough effort is a lie. It's an egalitarian lie. And this is the kind of thing that America's public schools have been fostering and this is the kind of thing that America's parents have bought into helping a child find his proper station his proper niche helping a child discover what he is uh, what he's good at and what he's not so good at is part of the function of the parent and the school and we have uh, woefully woefully Failed in that function over the last fifty years, which is why you know I have kids coming up to me and they can't speak good English, telling me that they want to be veterinarians uh, I, I and i I have kids coming up to me at the age of fifteen telling me several years ago that their goal in life is to win american idol uh, it's It's insanity and it's the kind of thing that when a fantasy of this sort doesn't come true in a child's life, and there is overwhelming likelihood that whatever fantasy the child has on this basis is not going to, to come true, that the child is going to experience a serious emotional uh, 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 just insult. Yeah. And, and this is part of the reason why child mental health has been deteriorating so dramatically over the last 50 years.
2: Yeah, and I don't think you're, you're trying to put, cut the slats out of anybody to, to shoot for a goal, whether it's winning American Idol or anything else like that, but I think what you're trying to say is get a, an objective, realistic assessment of what you're up against to, to actually accomplish this thing. And And this is supported so strongly in Scripture. I mean, we're told, you
0: know, train up a child in the way he should go. Now, I've heard a lot of different sermons on this, but at its core— it's saying God made us each a certain way with certain gifts and talents and skills and our role is to be the steward of those gifts and talents and skills. Uh, mm-hmm. Our role as parents is to help our kids really be the ambassadors that carry out their lives for Christ. And and I think this is playing into the political conversations of the day too. This this isn't a political program but um I've had conversations with with a number of people who may bring up the idea of, of America becoming more, more of a socialistic uh, nation, and their reasoning is so that everybody has the same chance at everything. And, John, I completely agree with your point. There's no way in heaven or on earth that everybody's going to have the same chance at anything because we're all made differently.
1: Correct, and that's the polite way of putting it uh, the, the, uh, this is why socialism, uh, hasn't worked. And this is why it's never going to. And this is the, the attempt to impose, and this is the only way it can be done. The attempt, the attempt to impose this kind of worldview on a population ultimately requires totalitarianism. And I know this is not a political program, but it's hard to avoid politics when you discuss anything these days.
0: Right. Well, I I just think that as parents, our role really is we try to focus on, on what's best for our kids. We need to be focusing on, again, getting back to equipping our kids to do well. We need to equip them to be the best them they can be. Uh, poor English there, but <laughs> in other words, don't try to be who you're not. Try to be who you are and maximize who you are
2: to the glory of God. Exactly. But all that comes by accepting objective truth.
1: Yes. My oldest grandchild, when he was 13 years old, he told me, I said, uh, Jack, you're, uh, you're entering a time in your life where you ought to be giving serious consideration to the future, to your adulthood. And uh, I asked him the question, have you given any thought to what uh, you want to do as an adult? And he said, yep, I want to be a professional football quarterback and for a few years, and then I want to be a professional football coach. And I looked at him and I said, well, Jack, that's uh, that's totally unrealistic. You're not going to be a professional football player, and you're not going to be a professional football coach. You're entering that time in your life when you ought to be thinking seriously and realistically about this, and I'm willing to sit down with you and have a discussion with you about this, but we're not gonna talk about professional football. And uh, later that day I get a uh, phone call from an angry parent, uh, a.k.a. my son, (laughs) who is disturbed because I actually told his son that he wasn't going to be able to do something that, in fact, he wasn't going to be able to do. And uh, this is an example of today's parents. You know, they cooperate in this socialistic illusion that if you try hard enough, you can be anything you want to be. Well, it just ain't true, and it's going to cause the child uh, ultimately serious emotional problems.
0: I'm sorry. I just had a flashback. My second oldest son, who's uh, in his late 20s now, back when he was about 14, he told me he wanted to build a 50-foot tall fence around our backyard so that he could have a pet koala. And I kind (laughs) of shot the idea down rather quickly, and he said, you're just a dream crusher. So they got a zebra instead. <laughs> but um uh, but he but he said I was a dream crusher and I said I said, "Well, I I don't want to crush your dreams, but sometimes reality has to sneak in."
2: Well, yeah, well, yeah. and when parents say, "Well, if you try hard enough, well, you got to first get good enough, but not to rain on your parade, uh, John, but I remember uh, I've got a, a cousin who has a kid and he wanted to be a professional baseball pitcher and we we kind of we didn't really articulate that to him. Uh, but uh, you know, we kind of thinking, okay, yeah, right. Well, the kid's pitching for the Yankees right now, and <laughs> he he made it to the show, and he's he's pitching for the Yankees. So you know, dreams can come true if you work hard enough and you get good enough, and you
1: have the aptitude to begin with. Yeah, yeah, and that's go. important to understand that God has not constructed us all equally. We are created equally in the sense that we all have uh, usable aptitudes. But we don't all have the same aptitudes. And this is, you know, your grandson, he had an aptitude for becoming a professional athlete. Um, My grandson did not. Uh And today he would agree with me that he did not possess that aptitude. But, you know, he's 25 and his executive function is... Hopefully kicked in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, John, do you see this rioting that goes on today, these rioters, uh, these anarchists, in any way, shape, or form as being the logical outworking of the first generation of adults who spent their entire childhoods being groomed by the multifaceted stimuli that is digital technology, particularly when given smartphones at a young age, unencumbered access to smartphones 24-7?
1: well a lot of these a lot of these people participating in these riots uh to to be the devil's advocate here they grew up before the smartphone technology was there um i I think these are just mass tantrums and uh and they are uh the the logical outgrowth of childhoods in which during which tantrums were rewarded yeah uh, these are kids. You know, when I threw a tantrum, I got a spanking. Uh, these kids, when they threw a tantrum, they got what they wanted 90% of the time. That's exactly right. And uh, therefore, we have this generation throwing a tantrum en masse in the streets of America's big cities.
2: Yeah, and they're, and they're getting away with it even as adults. It's, a, it's just a tragedy. Rich?
0: Well, our our time is at a close for today. Uh, I want to thank our guest, John Roseman, for being with us. John is a speaker and an author on parenting and a reluctant psychologist. I think we can add that to the list. His books <laughs> include Parenting by the Book uh, and, and many more. I mentioned another one at the beginning of last week's program called Grandma Was Right All Along and gives great insight into the things that we can learn from past generations and ways that we can be more intentional parents. You'll find those books at his website, rosemond.com. John, thank you so much for being on the
1: program. Thank you, brother. Hey, thank you guys for inviting me. I look forward to it again.
0: And you can find us online at LicensedToParent.org. There you can hear past conversations on a variety of topics related to raising healthy kids in a postmodern, post-Christian, digitally saturated culture, including last week's conversation with John Roseman. You can also check out our parenting blog and learn more about the organization that we serve, which is Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long residential program for teens in crisis located just north of Atlanta, Georgia. While you're on our site, would you consider becoming one of our ministry partners? Your financial support in any amount helps further the work that we do with Troubled Teens and helps the outreach of License to Parent to moms and dads working hard to keep their kids from becoming Troubled Teens. You can give securely when you click on the Donate button at the top of the page at licensedtoparent.org. Our guest coordinator on the program is Daniel Fazzina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rossell, hoping you'll tell a friend about the program and then join us once again next
2: time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.